Rutherford Issues with Brian Barrett on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. On Rutherford Issues today, we've got State Representative Mike Sparks and our conversation centered around uh, education and student behavior. And Mike, I understand you were um, just at the... uh, State of Murfreesboro City Schools address today. Yes, that was a great event. Uh, Trey, uh, Dr. Trey Duke, and uh, I believe Lisa Trail. A lot of folks there. Um, I was really uh, Randy Allen and uh, so many people. Good, good crowd. And great news this morning. So um, that was just to kind of get an update on how things are going with the city school system. Yes, and um, you know, uh, COVID set back a lot of. Um, it was set back a lot of areas, especially education and and um, mental health and so many other areas that's, that's out there. But um, I want to thank uh, Redstone Credit Union for hosting. Hosting, they got a beautiful uh, building over there, uh, floor space up there on the second floor on Medical Center Parkway. And um, it was a good event. It really was. And um, uh, they asked me to say a few words, and I talked about the late Dr. Linda Gilbert. And I know J.C. and Elliot both know um, – the the last letter she sent me, because you know she she passed away after she after she um, sent me this letter, because we had a opioid town hall uh, mental health event at my church, Parkway Baptist in Smyrna, about three years ago, and um, and I was asking her if there's one silver bullet, one silver bullet you could pick to help solve these problems with education and childhood behavior in these areas. She said, Mike, we need more counselors, social workers. So that uh, I had a, an opportunity to share her letter and i've got it in my head it just don't have it in front of me but she just says uh well thank you for taking time to listen uh to to concerns but she said the behavior problems of the six to nine year olds are like something i've never seen before she said they're disorderly disruptive and she says whereas the state is trying to help with in the department of education she's but she goes on to say but there's really not many places for these uh, children to go get assessed. Now that was three years ago. So the point I've been making to the General Assembly and others is those six to nine year olds are going to be sixteen and nineteen in the next few years. So seven years from now, our prison budgets went from six hundred million when I f- was first elected in two thousand and ten to one point two billion dollars. And if folks don't care about people, they need to care about the money because if we're not educating them in the K through twelve, we're going to educate them sadly in our state state custody and that's why i got these guys here today so um that's kind of where we'll be in conversation i i I do i do think both our local school systems are doing a really good job in trying to communicate um i know that there's like um an update from dr jimmy sullivan uh after every school board meeting to say hey this is what all of this meant so there's an effort to communicate with parents now and i think that's important too communicate i mean it's in you know and sometimes you know, in, in politics, and these things really shouldn't be political. I mean, the, the kids shouldn't be pawns thrown around. These areas ain't Democrat or Republican. I mean, we need to care about these the youth that's going on today and the things that they're seeing. Could you imagine the challenges kids face today? You know? Yeah. Uh, the, I did get a phone call yesterday, and I said the next time that we're talking about education that I would bring this up to someone, so I'm going to throw this in your lap. Uh, but um, someone called yesterday, said – you know, my kid's riding in this school bus, and it's 120 degrees on the on the bus and all, and said, why why can't we have air conditioners on school buses? So, well, I don't know. I happened to interview a school bus driver the other day uh, out in front of Siegel, because we did a tour with Dr. Jimmy Sullivan, and want to thank him, school board chairman Tammy 
uh, Sharp came out. Uh, new new board members, um, uh, Francis Rosales and um, Katie Darby, as well as Claire Maxwell was with us, as, as well as James Evans. So I was riding on the back of the in the van, but we did have air conditioning, and it was bumpy. But, it, but we rode around. We went to Roy Waldron, went to Smyrna West Alternative School, we went to Thurman Francis, which is one of the top schools. It's a magnet school. And, uh, and I had the chairman of education, Mark White, come in. And Mark's just a gracious guy, just great deal. He drove all the way from Memphis to come in and do that tour with us. And um, we didn't get to have this. I was wanting to get the school pizza, but uh, they didn't. I guess I'm told they don't do the school pizza like no. we knew it back in the day. And um, it was a good event, but I got talking to some school bus drivers out front. And one of them was one of my former customers. It was kind of neat. So, But we they even talked about children's behavior. They They, they felt like they didn't. Well, I don't. I don't say anything negative. Negative, but it's just the reality that they felt like students aren't accountable. When I hear that from teachers, um, uh, you know, we were held accountable. I mean, I was just telling um, Randy Allen I got paddled for yawning in in the seventh grade just for yawning, um, but I kept doing it to the teacher because she was like. Well, she keep doing it. I, I'm and sure that there was more to that story. She than carried me out there and just busted my tail over it. But you know, I didn't. I, I try not to yawn after that. You know what I mean? But um, I uh, got paddled by Don Odom, was my school superintendent, by, or school, um, yeah, school principal back in the day, and a uh, great guy. And But we had accountability. We knew we had to be responsible, uh, and we had our limits, and sometimes we pushed those limits, but there was uh, repercussions for bad behavior. Well, I'm sure you needed it every day, and still do, but, and you well, don't that's get probably, it anymore, You know, right? here's, that's probably why I have a heart for those areas of, I hate to say knuckleheads because I was once one, but those kids at Smyrna West, you know, it's like if we don't reach them, where, where's the safety net? It, it's the prison. I mean, this is what's sad. It's the jails. It's the workhouse. And those kids are at high risk. And here's the thing about Smyrna West School, and I don't I hate to be like, like being critical. It's the same school as it was when it was a Rosenwald back in 67. In fact, it, it it's probably in better shape as a Rosenwald school than it is today. I mean, I started asking some folks who would probably want to wish to remain, remain anonymous, but I said, what what do you need here? She said, man, the plumbing. The bathroom sometimes have, you know, failed, and you know, they got six or seven portables. You know, even though it's alternative school and some people may not care about these kids that get, that get lost, but we need to care about them. And and this is what I want to tell my former lawmakers. Even if you don't care about the student, care about the people, care about the money that you're spending, that twenty-five to $28,000 that we spend in incarceration. And I get I get a little fired up about all these lobbyists. And these guys are kind of lobbyists in a way. They're advocates. Are, and they're doing their job, even though they were fighting in the parking lot out here and arguing in the lobby. But they have a mission, a mission that they're on. And they both, they'll find a lot of common ground. But um, we're facing serious problems in this country, man. And we got to have communication. Um, Dr. Sullivan was great the other day. Let, let's hope that we can keep the dialogue because these issues shouldn't be so p- political. You know what I mean? So uh, that's a great way to uh, avoid the question about air conditioners on buses. Oh, well, okay. I, the, the, anyways, <laughs> uh, that, that guy, what was that guy's name? Um, I think his name was Murphy. Um Tell them to call me five two five three one nine eight. I don't know how I solve that problem, but but uh, we did pass a bill that nobody ever talks about. The media wasn't there to talk about 
and that's what I was telling them. We extended the life of the school bus three years. Now, mm-hmm. the general public may think, well, who cares about extending the life of the school bus? You know how much pushback? Was you up there when we fought that bill? Kelly Keesling, it was a tough bill to get passed. We had big money people. Fred Thompson's son was lobbying for, for the school bus folks. They want to sell school buses, so they limited it 15 years. A school bus is the safest vehicle on the road. Probably safer than his Tesla. He just he just pulled up in, you know. But it but if you think about it, that extended the life of school was three years. Save the taxpayer fit two million dollars. No nobody in the media was really working on that. You know, well, I guess those lobbying against that would be the ones that sell the buses. Well, is that right? Yeah, I guess I don't want okay. to call them out because they're in pretty much in my district. Mm. You know, you know who they are. Yeah. Mid-South bus. I mean, you know, they were fighting against it, and that's no disrespect to them. But that's just their job. They're going to protect their industry, just like Elliot's going to advocate for his industry, and this joker right here, J.C., is going to advocate for, for teachers. Well, um, let's kind of bring them into the conversation. Um, we have uh, Elliot Pinsley, and he is president and CEO of Behavioral Health Foundation, and uh, J.C. Bowman making a return, the executive director of the Professional Educators of Tennessee. And um, we're going to kind of dive more into student behavior and education. Elliot, kind of give me uh, some type of idea, since you're uh, a newbie to the radio program, what it is that you do with Behavioral Health Foundation. Well, I appreciate that. I think you were you weren't here. I was not lucky enough to have ah, you okay. as our host before. Yeah. We we did have one show uh, with Representative Sparks and Scott and I, but I'm happy to be back. Uh, so I, again, I'm Elliot Pinsley, and I'm with the Behavioral Health Foundation, and we're a relatively new kid on the block uh, in terms of nonprofit policy centers in Tennessee, and we focus exclusively on mental health, addiction, and the kind of the intersection of criminal justice that happens since there's so much overlapping. And we work with lawmakers. We work with the executive branch. We work with CEOs, community leaders, people with lived experience and, and do a lot of research and figure out what are, how do we take small ideas, uh, make them big ideas, take big ideas and actually put them into uh, policy and action. And how do we help people access care and, uh, and see better outcomes in treatment? So what do we do to reduce stigma and cr- improve access to good care? And kind of bring that into um education and student behavior what what are some of your thoughts on that just kind of an opening salvo if you will well students are kids and when we're in this context in schools and they need help they they need help with education they're learning that's exactly what they're there for to get help but teachers are working on helping them with their educational uh, needs and going it based on curriculum. They also have needs emotionally. Uh, so that is something we need to make sure that we are looking at. And especially given COVID pandemic, other stressors, uh, trauma that happens, we got to make sure that when we have an opportunity to identify someone who may have mental health issues, who may um, have experienced a traumatic event or, or needing some sort of extra support, that we're able to uh, align that resource that best fits their needs. Very good. Uh, JC, uh, making uh, a return here, Professional Education Association, uh, Professional Educators Association of Tennessee, rather, and um, kind of an interesting subject here in terms of student behavior. Isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was reading the Tennessee and today or yesterday that Dixon County uh, principal cannot find teachers in Dixon County High School uh, because of behavior issues. He, he actually cited that case. And so one of the other things that so we're we're excited about Elliot's work. I mean, he he and I uh, kind of took some barbs. It's fun. We we have a good time. I think we're going to work together with him, and moving forward. But discipline and behavior issues are a 
huge concern for our teachers. And uh, what we're seeing is that, you know, as you know, it is, it's out of control. Like Mike says, I mean, people are, are leaving the field. It's a simple thing. And one of the things I think Elliot and I both agreed on was that what we're seeing is that we're asking teachers to become therapists and that's not in our skill set. And we don't want that in our skill set. So we actually welcome them. The, the mental health bill, the, the trust fund that was put in place, was an issue we were championing. And we were just hoping to get like $5 million put toward it. And the governor put $250 million in uh, a trust fund. But the problem is, is how do you access it? How do you get it? And uh, we need to be able to access that money and, and use it to actually help the kids and so that's our goal. So we hope that we can work together on some joint work with Elliot and uh, Chairman Sparks. Every time he's been there, one of the things he's always fought for is additional guidance counselors in our schools. He has been a champion for that. And uh, I want to give him kudos for that because I'm going to tell you something. Uh, kids need a responsible adult that they can talk to and model good behavior. Well, well you mentioned several things in that, and part of that being – you know, educators leaving, you know, get to retirement, you know, that they can't get to that, what, 20 years or 30 years quick enough, 30 years. And uh, so to compound that, though, we're not seeing as many seek um, a, an educational um, degree and get into that field. Uh, so we're, we're having fewer young people and more people getting out. So that's kind of a recipe for disaster, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Like we said, 10,500 can leave by the year 2024. And that's what they're walking out the door. They're not going into the field. And the other thing is, is that they're not even waiting. The, the lady that resigned today on W on channel two talked about, she left, she's got 12 years in. They're not waiting any longer. They're leaving uh, as soon as they're frustrated. And in the middle of the year, we've never seen as many teachers leave in the middle of a school year as we've seen here. So, and, and maybe both of you can, can kind of uh, chip in here on this. What are the reasons why we're seeing this mass exodus of, of folks in the education field? And then, you know, from that, it, what type of behavior, uh, behavioral issues are, are is, is that kind of a root problem of what's happening? Well, number one's respect. Teachers don't feel respect. Okay. So we've talked about that, and, and that's been one of the things. And they don't feel it. I mean, the Hillsdale comments that came out, that was one of the things. Uh, you know, you come from the – they come from – you know, they, he, made, he made very disparaging remarks toward teachers. Uh, you know, his response is, well, I didn't make them toward Tennessee teachers, just the teachers in general. Like, that really helped it. But secondly – uh, it's work overload. They feel like that they're doing more and more work, taking on some of the tasks that, that that other folks should probably be nursing, everything. And we've we've had all sorts of issues. I used this as an example before. We had a sixth grade male teacher who was uh, in charge of a, a special needs student who was asked to not only change diapers but to do other things. And they're saying, "Look, I'm out of here. I'm not doing this." And then number three is the behavior issues and discipline. And that's where I think Elliot could really offer a wealth of knowledge and, and bring us on board on, on maybe how we can address some of these issues and partner together with our school system. I'm sure, Elliot, you have a, a kind of a, an idea, and this is painting with a broad brush, but what types of behavioral issues are we seeing in young people that would obviously spill over into the schools as well, I would think? 
Absolutely. I appreciate the question. And I, and I want to say that it's really challenging because sometimes we also label children's behavior as a path pathological when it's part of child development. So, of course, we don't want p kids to act out in certain ways in school and certain things very much cross the line when we're talking about assaulting somebody, um, especially if we're looking at any kind of sexual assault situation. Those are very serious situations and you can't certainly allow those things to happen in school drug use, those kinds of things that happen. Uh, but kids act, make mistakes, uh, even teenagers and adult, young adults make mistakes. And that's part of child development is learning how to make those mistakes. And depending on the reaction from those adults in your life and, and the rest of those systems you're, you might encounter, um, that can help really dictate what your trajectory might look like going forward, how successful or unsuccessful you might be. So teachers are there for students. I mean, mm -hmm. teachers choose that as a career, not just because it's a job, obviously you're, you're hearing about how much they're getting paid they're not they're not going into teaching to get rich they, they're choosing this because they're passionate um, not about being a teacher but about teaching kids helping children helping young people um, because that's why they're there and they want these young people to be successful but when they don't have the supports that they need outside and inside the classroom or from administration to uh, make sure they have other professionals nearby that they can help refer one of their students to or get advice from when someone is starting to have behavioral issues or mental health concerns, uh, then they're, they get frustrated for very good reason because they've got to focus on their job, which is teaching, and there's all sorts of administrative hurdles in the way. So, um, Mike, you've kind of heard some of this conversation. Student behavior is I would think would have to be one of the leading causes in the the teacher shortage that we're having now and That's and what, there's there's no end in sight to that and actually things could get a whole lot worse yes um, so. um, I had a I texted a teacher on the way to the meeting this morning I said hey do you have any any thoughts or any concerns and um she's a eighth grade teacher and I'll just read off what she what she had shared shared with me and she just mentions the um and she goes on to say the student the student behavior is something that that has has got to got to be looked at. I mean, it's just off the charts. Um, just leaving this meeting this morning, I had um, Dr. James uh, Calder with MTSU, and um, he teaches. Uh, he's with the Department of Elementary and Elementary and Special Education, and he was sharing these concerns with me because when we done that tour with Dr. James um, with Jimmy um, Sullivan the other day. We're, he was sharing with the chairman, Mark White, about trying to get the special needs uh, teachers. And I'm like, I don't know how you can – because you can't – that's all federal, right? You can't really fast-track. They incentivize these folks to go into that area. Well, they have, to, they have to be certified. That's the one them, – them, and interestingly enough, PE teachers are the only ones that you can't bring anybody into. They have to be certified, and they have to go through the licensure, so you can't. If they're not certified, they can't teach. Mm -hmm. Well, here, here's what here's her exact quote. Um, why she said, she said, why are they the kids so bad and disrespectful? Why is this behavior happening? And we don't need to pass kids that are failing. And I got to stress that just now when when they asked me to say a few words at um, the Murfreesboro City School State of the State of Education this morning and tonight. Now, if folks are interested, we're going to meet with um, Commissioner. Penny Schwinn of the Department of Education tonight at the Smyrna Town Center, Smyrna Event Center. Uh, Dr. Brian Terry um, put that together, and uh, both school boards should be there. Hopefully, um, Commissioner Schwinn will be there, but 
some people have told me, you know, you, you said she's, yeah, she's, she's, she she's been in D.C. a lot lately. Yeah. A couple of things on both Grow Your Own, which yep. is to help address the teacher shortage. Uh, that's why Jill Biden and um, uh, Secretary Cardonis was here. And then the other part is, is that uh, they're looking at how we're addressing the learning loss issues here in Tennessee, and uh, which is kind of an interesting spin as well. So, mm. you know, that's the other thing. You know, you can't read. You're, you're feeling frustrated, but that's another another issue. The uh, behavioral problems. What 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 are they? I mean, if you don't have a kid in school, and maybe you're not dealing with this with with your child, it affects your child. But you may not know anything about w- what we're seeing. I've heard the word disrespecting teachers. That seems to be the the the, the biggest. That's something that starts at home, though. Well, so what, what do you I think do? It goes back um, full circle. Well, a lot. It's like the kids that. Uh, a lot of the kids that have been um, sentenced to Smyrna West Alternative School, um, a lot of them have a, a troubled home life. And I, I, I asked the kids the other day, I, was, I just put them on the spot. I said, young lady, what are you doing to turn your life around? And she said, well, my, my grades at the other school she was at were F. She said, I'm proving my grades over here. I, I tell you what, what I've seen a common pattern. It seemed like smaller class sizes with the teacher ratio of, it looked at me like it was about 12, 14 students in that classroom and other professors, Lee, Lee Ferris, who, who taught over for years, Lee's a friend of mine. He happened to call me yesterday cause he knew I was over there. And, um, Lee was telling me a lot of those kids will thrive in, in a smaller environment like that. And he also talked about the bullying, you know, they have a dress code they have to wear. And, um, uh, he said, you know, they don't have the peer pressure of makeup they don't have the peer pressure of the certain Nikes and, um, but you know, I, I can't speak to all the students that are there. But but one thing that disappointed me, because when I was in school, when we were all in school, we had there was discipline there. There's no doubt. Uh, I I think paddling was a good thing. Everybody that ever paddled me was was my favorite teachers. Ironically, I mean, well, I let me let me you, tell you about this. I never got one. I was a model <laughs> student. So um, a, a comment which I thought was interesting that we just got in the alternative schools go about their their business their structure almost like elementary schools or middle schools or high schools from the 70s is what this person is kind of saying oh, okay there was you know at the alternative school there's discipline there's yes you know dress yes, code yes. there's respect yes that's what school was like in the 70s so we have a model. We know what had worked before. Does that make sense? Yeah, there's structure, and I think yeah. that I think kids like yeah, structure. Yeah, and I think part of the issue sometimes yes. we give them too much freedom. Hey, would you like to do this today? No, it's you're going to do this. But I mean, bullying and online bullying are two of the biggest things. Yeah. Talked to a reporter this just this week uh, in in Nashville, and one of the issues came up about they had four arrests at. Uh, not in, in uh, David Metro National Public Schools on online bullying, and and part of that four at four different schools, five schools had incidences before arrests were made. And uh, when I was talking to the reporter, uh, I said, you know, sometimes it's tough love, and I said we've got to figure out, and that's why Elliot comes along. I said we got to figure out, you know, what's what's going on in that kid's life, and if we can help them and do that, but maybe you have to remove them from the setting to do that. But the second part of that becomes. Uh, and the reporter told me, she said, she was a victim of online bullying. 
and and I've had a stalker. I mean, you know, so I, we we've all been there with with different things. I'm sure Mike has had them. Oh, yeah. They're they're actually in the general assembly over there with them. Oh, but, it's rough. And uh, but they they they're will and they'll sometimes. and they will yeah. they'll come after you. Elliot, um, help help the grandmother, the aunt, the guardian, the 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 mom or dad that may be listening in now that are having that are struggling with their child and don't really know what to do. What what advice would you give that person? Well, I, I think that I'm uniquely suited to respond here. It's been a little while, but I'm a licensed clinical social worker, and I did intensive in-home treatment with children and families in Middle Tennessee as, as my job when I was at Centerstone earlier on in my career. Um, I'm going to have to disagree with Representative Sparks just a little bit in uh, terms of what we need to do. But, of course, I, you on know, the paddling. that's your experience, <laughs> okay, yes. and I certainly appreciate yeah. that, and, and every experience is unique. Uh, but evidence is abundantly clear that using corporal punishment in schools is ineffective. It does not actually help long term with students, um, and it actually causes more negative outcomes for the kids overall. Of course, everybody has different factors, resiliency issues, and depends on how good your support system and, and other factors are. So um, that's one. But so in working with parents, resist the urge to go into some of those more punitive measures. And I mean, I'm, I have two kids. I have a, a seven, seven and 10 year old boys and they have a lot of energy, right? And I find myself falling into patterns that I would not even advocate for, you know, at times as I'm yelling or losing my cool and it never ends up working. But treating them with more respect, but maintaining that structure, as JC said, I think structure is really important. But how do you implement structure? Try to show kids, especially older kids and teenagers, that mutual respect, because um, that's what they want. They want to be treated like they are an, a person, not as someone that you're just micromanaging every part of their behavior. Uh, but um, there's a lot of strategies. So there are therapy supports. There are also a lot of online forums that can talk about ways to use positive um, parenting, praise, um, overpraising your child. And, and th what's interesting about that, and, and this is really hard to think about, is one, ignoring. I'm sure parents have thought about when there's an annoying, annoying behavior, someone's yelling or running around or whatever. When it's not dangerous, you can ignore it. And if you can actually do that repeatedly, that will help eliminate the unwanted behavior. But when you respond to it, you are giving that child attention that they're wanting in that moment. And you're showing them that the next time they want attention, I can repeat that behavior. It's the same yeah. principle when you, you spank a child, they're learning indirectly that when you have something that is upsetting you, you can respond by hitting somebody to correct the issue. Mm -hmm. I, I've tried the ignoring thing with Mike, and it still has <laughs> it worked. It's been 20 <laughs> hey, years. But, but you know, I, I do agree with you on the, on the incentives. Um, I was at Roy Waldron, uh, Alexandria Jackson, the new principal over there, Stephen Wright. I like something they're doing. I, get, I guess they call it the cave store or the cave or something at Roy Waldron, and there is an incentive for reading and I thought, okay, what are the prizes? But but what's kind of sad that when when our kids were young, my wife was PTO president for like eight years. She she devoted her life into the schools, Smyrna Elementary, uh, uh, Smyrna or uh, John Coleman, and a lot of the what I hear they don't have the support like they used to in schools, especially your your higher uh, social economic and, and impoverished schools. So the parental support. Uh, seems to be lacking today. I mean, do y'all hear that from teachers? Yes, absolutely. And and I'm gonna go back to something Elliot said. But one of the things we so antecedent behavior consequence, mm -hmm. and and sometimes, and that's what I think Mike's alluding to in the cave is a consequence that is positive. 
And so the child is doing something and behaving well to get a positive consequence. And so I think using that at some points are, are very good. I mean, you know, I think my dad was a negative disciplinarian as well. I mean, oh. you know, you didn't, you know, you didn't do something, you got in trouble for it. And I, I don't ever thought. Your dad, did your dad whip you? Oh, I mean, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Well, the I mean, irony, my dad was World War II. He never whipped me, but he was such a strong disciplinarian. You didn't get out of line. It's like Mr. Rakes at Smyrna High and some of those guys, people respected them. Uh, you knew not to get out of line, and I think we've kind of lost it because because the kids know ah, nobody's going to do anything, so I can do whatever I want to do. But but like in your case, corporal punishment worked, and but for most kids, maybe some kids it doesn't. I mean, my daughter doesn't uh, spank her children. That was one of the things she went on. And I the go, verdict's still out about Mike though, whether right. it worked or not. <laughs> but but, I, and, but you know, so I, I watch my daughter, and and her kids are so well behaved, and and to my knowledge, they've never been spanked and. And uh, you know, and in, in, in that regard, but they're my my other two grandchildren, but my other daughter who does spank, you know, she does spank not not hard, and she's not, but uh, you know, they're they're a little bit rambunctious and stuff like that, and and uh, but but by that side, I think that it's it's a real interesting world that we live in. But you have to find out what is the consequence that the child does not want, and I think you figure out that. Uh, but it goes back to the behavior, you know, you we we need to focus sometimes, I think, on good behaviors and and do do some reward activities well part of that elliot when you bring it back and this this will be our last comment here but when when you bring in a classroom of 25 kids you probably have 10 or 15 different ways that those kids respond because they're all individual all different you know exactly and so and one of the keys to understanding this and, and figuring out what the plan should be especially in a school environment or as a parent or guardian is what is the function of that behavior what what is the reason that child is doing this what mm -hmm. are they trying to get or gain by doing this and as you said in a large classroom how on earth is one person who does not typically have that advanced mental health type of training or functional behavior training to, or analysis to understand, well, what are they doing and how? And do they have a professional that they can easily get help from when those situations come up? So you just basically hit the nail on the head with what we're dealing with. Well, very interesting conversation today. I appreciate you all being here. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. Thanks, uh, Behavioral Health Foundation's Elliot Pinsley joining us today. Also, uh, J.C. Bowman with Professional Educators of Tennessee and State Representative Mike Sparks. If you missed any of the conversation this morning, uh, be sure to check the podcast at WGNSRadio.com under Rutherford Issues. It'll be there soon.